要期待，有下一次就不会想起谁的样子。Predetermined. We go through three weeks As of rehearsal. As one poor soul tries say, oh, to find something there, good to enjoy on the radio. Yeah, I'll do this. Let's Listening to the radio these days can be distressing. Fortunately, here at CITR, our programmers choose the music that they play, so our charts reflect what people actually listen to. To find out what's really topping the charts, pick up a copy of Beatroot or Discorder magazine, or check us out online at citr.ca. Unless, of course, you'd rather keep listening to the chart-topping single "Everybody Dance." What you don't like to dance? Everybody dance. Everybody dance. Everybody dance, dance. What you don't like to dance? <laughs> Reporter listeners, and welcome to another broadcast of the Arts Report at CITR Radio 101.9 FM. I'm Christine Kim, your host for today. 
On today's show, we've got another segment of This Fringy Life, a rather condensed version, um, but a really awesome segment nonetheless. We've also got an interview with the artistic director of the Flamenco Festival, um, as well as an interview with the playwright C.C. Humphreys. Um, so why don't I give a little bit of an introduction um, to the C.C. Humphreys um, interview. C.C. Humphrey is the playwright of a new play called Shakespeare's Rebel, um, which is now enjoying its world premiere at Bard on the Beach. Mr. Humphreys is also an actor and novelist who writes historical crime fiction from his home on Salt Spring Island. He's spoke with Radio Dave of Dave Radio. So why don't I play that? Here I am, the UBC graduate student returning to the alma mater to talk. So when, when were you a student here? Uh, I graduated only uh, three months ago oh, in really? May. Huh? May the 20th I graduated, yeah. Oh, well, congratulations. Thank you so much. Uh -huh. Yes, I've got my, uh, my MFA in creative writing. Well done. Well done. We're all proud of you. Uh, Thank you. Yes. So um, the, um, the play we're talking about is um, Shakespeare's Rebel, which is on at Bard on the Beach right now. And this is based on a novel of yours. Also That's called, right. Yeah. So this is this is a this is let's let's talk a little bit about about the story itself and 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 what uh, what the audience can expect when they come to see it. So first of all, who is Shakespeare's Rebel? Shakespeare's Rebel it really refers to the Earl of Essex. So even though he's not the main character in the play, he, uh, he's a very important character as he was in the history of the time. But um, he's he's the rebel because he's the man who uh, led the the last great attempt to overthrow the government in Elizabeth's reign uh, in 1601, and he was her former. Uh, you know, it depends on who you talk to, but really, but but he was her last great love. She was 66. He was uh, in his 30s. He was a very charismatic um, nobleman who really felt that he was uh, due a higher position, especially as the queen favored him. And when he fell out of favor and uh, he got, grew desperate, he decided to uh, launch a coup d'etat really against his perceived enemy, uh, Sir Robert Cecil, who was complete contrast to him. Sir Robert Cecil was the sort of rather Machiavellian uh, master secretary of state and was the big rival for Elizabeth. Yeah, it really, it really was a struggle for the person who would have the influence over the queen rather than trying to topple her uh, herself. It, Absolutely, yes, yes. It was it was whoever could control her could control the realm, mm -hmm. and uh, and of course Elizabeth had her own ideas about who would uh, you know she famously survived so long because she had very distinct uh, ideas about what who would rule and all that, and then she had a great deal of power. But Essex um, was was uh, you know he he was charismatic, but I don't think he was you know altogether you know he he wasn't really a, a, a bright and super clever politician. He really just felt, you know, these are my rights as the noblest man in England, and I'm going to take them. So that was the big problem for him. Right, and so how does Shakespeare come into all this? Well, the, 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 the whole journey began for me when I was writing Shakespeare's Rebel, the novel, um, in an exploration of what the blazes was going on in the realm, in London, in Shakespeare's life, that caused him to write what many regard as the greatest game changer in literature, which was the tragedy of Hamlet. You know, it changed everything, really. And, you know, what, what was going on? And that, that was my fascination, because I've always been fascinated with Hamlet ever since I played Hamlet in Calgary, because I'm also an actor, mm -hmm. and I played him um, in 1994. And so um, I, I, I just decided to explore the world that Hamlet sprang out of, because Shakespeare wrote very much for the times he was living in. You know, almost, they say he'd be writing soap operas today, because he was, or, or you know, uh, HBO dramas, because he was writing about the world that existed for a people who had no other outlet to explore that world, except at the Globe Theatre with that extraordinary company of actors. So Shakespeare was not only writing entertainment, which was his prime function, mm -hmm. but it was also, you know, giving, giving almost a, a public forum for ideas that you weren't allowed to discuss, because 
England was pretty close to a police state then. Um, you know, ideas of um, regicide and usurpation of the throne and uh, rebellion and succession, all those ideas that were forbidden to be talked about on, in the normal way, Shakespeare you know, chose old stories, supposedly old stories, and, and gave the, the currency, you know, it put it on the stage of the Globe Theatre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, this reminds me, uh, last year's uh, non-Shakespeare production at Bard, Equivocation, sort of looked at, uh, at, at, at similar influences. Um, it looked at the, uh, the gunpowder, gunpowder plot over uh, King James and showed how that, those politics reflected, and I can't remember which play it was, but the play that Shakespeare was re- writing at the time. It was Macbeth. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so again, again, uh, a very good example, uh, mm-hmm. five years later, yeah. of Shakespeare writing to the times. Um, now, and so, so I, that, that's, that began the journey for me. I mean, not only my love of Hamlet, but also uh, I found a, I, sort of, I suppose there was a, a metaphor for everything, but it was a very practical one in my love of uh, sword play and sword fighting. Because the main character in the play is not the Earl of Essex, is not the rebel, but is his um, rather um, discontented follower, John Lawley, who is Shakespeare's oldest friend, who is an actor himself, who's also England's finest swordsman, and is all he wants to do is be left alone, basically, to try to win back the woman he loves, to be a father to the son he's estranged from. And the trouble is he keeps getting sucked back into the madness of the Earl of Essex, because he's kind of his man, he's been to war with him, he's guarded his back for years. So, so he's the main character, John Lawley, this, this flawed, um, somewhat drunk, brilliant uh, um, swordsman, um, and, 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 and you know, very, uh, um, a, a man on a journey, you know, a man trying to put his life right. You know, he's, he's got old. He says at one point in, in both uh, works, in the novel and the play, he says, I'm one missed parry from oblivion. <laughs> and he knows he's got to stop doing all that. He knows, but people won't let him. The forces at work in the realm yeah. at, at this time will not let him. And so is, is uh, Lolly also working with Shakespeare? Yes, absolutely. He, I mean, I, I, you know, I had a lot of fun with that because the both the novel and the play are, are great fun as well. Right, they're not right. They're, so he they're, you know, he, he acts as sort of a link between the two the two realms the the realm of the theater and the realm of 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 the realm of the queen. Very much so, yeah. and, and he really just just wants to be involved in the theater, but he keeps getting sucked into the you know he's just a commoner, and he keeps getting sucked into the the queen's orbit and Essex's orbit, and you know the the target of Cecil's plots and all that, which is mm-hmm. um, but all he wants to be is really a, an actor. But he you know he's got these demons, and he has to fight them, and they they lead him astray. But Shakespeare, I, I have a lot of fun with the fact that. You know, essentially, he discovered Shakespeare. You know, he stole him when there were two actors short in their company in Stratford in 1586, you know, and, and, uh, and took, you know, stole him from his wife, stole him from his family, got him on the road as an actor. So, um, so that, that it, it's, I, a friend of mine came to see it recently and said, well, you've basically written a love letter to the theatre, haven't you? Because I love actors, you know, and I love plays, and, you know, I've been an actor for, well, got four decades now. Um, you know, I absolutely, I love that world. And I and I and I'm, I'm I have great sympathy for for the the trials and tribulations and temptations of the actor. You're right, wonderful, and and so the audience is going to get get a full experience then because we're you know get the backstage intrigue, we're getting the royal politics, and uh, hopefully lots of uh, lots of uh, swordplay and action that way as well. Yes, I mean I you know I I, I try to emulate the master. I'm a huge fan of Shakespeare, mm-hmm. and I try to create a Shakespearean plot. Really, you know that that amazing ability he had to go from you know high drama to low comedy almost within a breath, and you know sw- you know going from scenes of intense political intrigue to scenes of debauchery, going from you know the the drama of a street fight with rapiers and backswords to uh, the the domesticity. Of of, of life in a, in a, in, on the streets as well, you know. So, so I, th- that's really what I, I hope to do. Uh, and I, you know, it's up to other people to judge if I succeeded or not. But it's meant to be what Shakespeare would have done at the Globe. Mm-hmm. You know, it's set really on a stage like the Globe. You know, it's very simple in terms of, of production. You know, there's costumes and there's a few props. But it's basically people on a platform speaking words. Yeah. And so that, that's what I tried to do. I, I wanted I wanted people to laugh and cry and think for a bit and then laugh some more. So, you mm-hmm. know, that, that's, it's an entertainment. Yeah, and you've had the good fortune to have the uh, the, the company of Bard on the Beach supporting you on this. You've got a terrific cast led by uh, Ben Campbell as uh, John Lawley. 
That's yeah. right. Yes, yeah. and not only not only that. I mean, um, Bard. Of course, I've been associated with my first job in Canada was at Bard in '91, playing Oberon in Dream. Mm-hmm. And when I moved out from England, and um, so I've been associated with them and Christopher Gaze. But also, uh, you know, going back to the sort of beginning of our conversation, UBC was a huge influence because uh, when Christopher Gaze uh, and I first chatted about this possibility of adapting this novel. I was in my coming into my final year at UBC on my degree and I thought, my God, well I need to I need to find a, a thesis to write anyway, so why don't I adapt my novel into a play? Mm-hmm. So I killed two birds with one stone and then I got to the the top dramaturge, you know, one of the best men in Canada, or perhaps in the the world, uh, Martin Kinch, who's the professor in the creative writing department. He became my, my thesis advisor. So I had the benefit of this extraordinary mind and experience to help me shape the play right through. And he stayed with the production as dramaturge as well. So, so that was an enormous influence. So UBC was, was terribly helpful for me that way. Wow, what do you do for an encore? Yeah, you are. <laughs> I don't know, really. I've, I've all, actually, I've got lots of ideas bubbling around. Yeah. We'll see which one of them lands. Yeah. Um, one thing I, I, I do have to say as well, just of interest to your, to your students there, that Bard is now offering $20 student tickets. Um, you know, knowing that you know, we're all going back to school and, it's, yeah. uh, and you know, there's lots of demands on money. So for the last two weeks of the run, you know, I hope my fellow students or former fellow students will come down and see the show. Wonderful. Terrific. And, and uh, you have another novel that's just come out, or it's about to come out? Well, actually, uh, there was a novel that came out while, um, while I was in my final year, because mm. obviously I kept up my... Uh, and that, was called, uh, that is called Plague, and right. that's a, uh, uh, a serial killer story set during the Great Plague of London. Ooh. And that actually... Um, it, was, it was a pretty interesting week, the week of May the 20th, because I, I collected my degree, you know, wore the mortarboard on the 20th. On yeah. the 23rd, my play went into production at Bard on the Beach, and on the 28th, I was in Toronto winning the Arthur Ellis Award for Best Crime Novel in Canada for Plague. So that was a hell of a week. <laughs> that's that's a pretty clever idea. That's that's a that's a great uh, a great uh, cover for a serial killer to be working during the Great Plague. Yes, indeed. Well, yes, exactly, exactly. Well, I always try to do that. I try to set my my adventures and stories against some sort of big backdrop, and yeah. then it, and I'm in fact I'm following up plague with fire, um, you know, which because the great plague was 1665, and then the great fire of London was 1666. Right. So the story continues in that, and that that novel will be out next year. All right. Well, uh, um, now that we have your number, uh, uh, we should have you back on again when that comes out. Uh, be, be delighted to return. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thanks for spending some time when once we finally got connected. Yeah, it's and, been great. And, and uh, I hope all goes well, and uh, we have a, a great uh, final, uh, final run at Bard, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. I hope that you liked that interview. We've got a couple PSAs, and then we've got our live interview uh, with the artistic director of the Vancouver International Flamenco Festival. So please stay tuned. You are listening to The Arts Report at CITR 101.9, broadcasting from unceded Musqueam territory. This is my life. I I wake up in the morning, I eat, I sleep, I shit. Breakfast with the Browns. So whatever it is, but I never shut it off for five minutes. I can't wait to impress my friends with my astounding knowledge of cool. Join your favorite Brownsters and tune in and listen to the best selection of down-tempo electro-pop lounge core. Strictly Squaresville. Remember. Subtle. Basic. Brown. Breakfast with the Browns. On CITR 101.9 FM. Every Monday morning. From 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. The older I get, the more life starts to make sense, and the less I care. Now we're riding the rainbow plastic. And we're making it like hell. Now we're riding the rainbow to Cloudsville. And we're making it like hell. Now we're riding the rainbow to Cloudsville. You know, you can give a hundred examples of what it isn't. 
But you, man, you're gonna have a hell of a time saying what it is. The Vancouver International Film Festival will once again welcome some of the world's finest films to one of the most beautiful cities on the planet. From September 24th to October 9th, the 34th annual VIFF will present over 300 films from 70 countries to nine Vancouver screens. Visit the Vancouver International Film Festival online at viff.org. Everything changed. Everything changed. I knew this day would come. Welcome back, Arts Reporter listeners. And like I said right before our short break, I've got Rosario Anser, the director and the founder, co-founder of the Vancouver International Flamenco Festival. Hello, Rosario. Hello. Thank you very much for having me in your program. No problem. It's a pleasure to have you. Now, um, for our listeners, what is the Vancouver International Flamenco Festival? Well, it's a premier flamenco festival in Canada. Only is unique in its kind since uh, this is the only festival that offers um, international, uh, national, and local artists in one week of performances, workshops, lecture demos, and free performances. And. I hear that it's the 25th anniversary. This has clearly been going on for a very long time. Congratulations. Thank you very much. On your guys' anniversary. Um, so what's new this year from different years? Well, the something that we have new this year is um, a guest from Spain, a company from Spain, and is a female and a female dancer, and they are artistic partners and also personal partners. So this is the first time that Vancouver Arts are gonna experience a couple performing on stage. So you just can imagine the dance is already passionate and exciting and a bit, but having a couple who has been romantic involved, of course, I think is gonna be sending fire through the playhouse. Really passionate. Really mm. passionate. Really passionate, that's right. Correct. And also the, something that is new is this year we partnered with the Basing Inquiry Studio and we are, um, they are exhibiting some flamenco art. So there will be um, an opening on the 12th uh, September 12th, actually this Saturday, and they will be exhibiting uh, some artwork based on or inspired on flamenco dancers. So it's totally new. We have also a free performance um, for the Vancouver, with the Vancouver Public Library, Understanding Flamenco. So it's, for, it's an introduction to people who has not have any contact with flamenco. So it's playing about the art form, about the history, about the music, about the dance. So it's very popular. Could you give us a short introduction on like the history of flamenco art and maybe even what flamenco art is? Yep. Well, flamenco art is uh, an art form that was born in Andalusia, the region, the southern region of Spain. And uh, what is interesting about this region is that it's been um, populated by um, Muslim uh, society or Muslim mm -hmm. Muslim um, culture, Sephardic, Jewish mm -hmm. also, Christians, and gypsies. So we don't know exactly, nobody knows exactly how flamenco started, but we all agree all, all the scholars agree that it was the with the melting of these cultures together. So flamenco as an art form um, was public in 1800s, in the middle of 1800s, is when flamenco supposedly jumped from um, being also only performed in the houses and mm -hmm. by families, um, parties and celebrations, it jumped to the commercial stage. So this is the first time that we hear flamenco as an entertainment. And um, but and like let's say in the mill in the mid 1900s it became worldwide known and companies started to perform all around the world. Right, that's incredible. And going back to the Vancouver International Flamenco Festival, you talked about how this um, these two Spanish perform performers are going to bring an extra amount of um, passion onto the stage because they're a couple. And you mentioned earlier before this interview that your 
co-directing uh, the festival with your husband. Um, so tell me about how your experience has been this year um, directing the Flamenco Festival. Well, it was a lot of fun to select who we're going to be um, inviting for this milestone. It's 25 years since we started the festival. And uh, Andres Peña and Pilar Ogaya, this company, this group from Spain, uh, they are good friends of us. Mm -hmm. So we thought it very um, fitting uh, to invite them. And also because he comes from Jerez de la Frontera, which is, we believe, is the kettle of flamenco, where flamenco song started. And she's from a very close town, Cadiz. We all, everybody call it Cai, Cai from Spain. So they both have different um, regional differences. They all have mm, different like styles, styles, right? Yeah. Totally, styles. And it will be, actually, the word that they are bringing is called Cadiz de la Frontera. Uh, her style, his style, his style is more inland, more serious. Oh, really? And her style is more from the coast. So it's more relaxed more and flowy, more I'm flowy and more exciting in the sense that it's more, um, we can say, sensuous, true? Mm -hmm. So they are going to melt these two ex uh, styles together oh, to for in this new work that will so be sent in Vancouver. So kind of like a fusion between totally. the more serious side and the more, I guess, as you mentioned, casual side of flamenco. Casual, sensuous, mm -hmm. uh, light. Yes. What about yourself? Do you do, you do flamenco? I do, well? yes. Which That's style? how I started. Oh, my style is very personal. Ah, okay. um, I, I'm Mexican mm -hmm. and moved to Spain to pursue my dream of becoming a flamenco dancer. Mm -hmm. So with my, as where I met my husband, I go Vancouver, Victor Colsti, he's a flamenco guitarist. Mm -hmm. So we we became, I became a professional dancer in Spain. Mm -hmm. And um, after learning from a lot of different sources, different styles, personal styles with different teachers, also personal style with different uh, companies that I performed mm -hmm. with, and also different regional styles because I was all over Spain. When I moved to Vancouver, I was so isolated that I created mm -hmm. my, my own style. I, I became my own style. Instead of looking outward to for source of mm -hmm. inspiration, I look inward. So I have developed my own personal style. That's beautiful. It Thank really you. is. And I think it's such a treat for local Vancouver, pe local people who live in Vancouver to be able to see really quality flamenco performances that aren't... Um, that are really authentic as so well. I mean, kind of stereotyped. Are... To be honest, when people think flamenco, they think yes, girl in a kind of like a red dress or maybe a flower in her hair, red lipstick, which is maybe personifying some sort of style, but not all style of the flamenco. Excuse me. <clears throat> totally, this is a very good uh, observation because um, uh, I totally left behind the flower, <laughs> the, the the flowy dress. Yes. And I just don't don't think of me as a, a flamenco dancer with that. I, I became my own, true? Mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot, it is about the artist. There is a lot of different styles. The art form, you cannot change. It's, it's uh, uh, the song, is the guitar, and is the musical structure. Mm -hmm, that's fixed. But how you use it is uh, depends of the artist. Now, you have a lot of artists or dancers, or, uh, yes, artists, who just reproduce uh, the art form over and over again. And then you have artists who find their own way and their they own voice. They kind of interpret the music yes. in a different manner, right? I think that's the, the difference between a performer and mm -hmm. an artist. Okay, I see. Yeah, and that happens in the guitar, happens in, this, in the song, mm -hmm. in the singer, and the dancer. And would you say that for the festival this year, the performances target all age audiences, or is it mostly for... <laughs> she's, she's, um, uh, <laughs> totally, totally. Flamenco, uh, there is no generational difference in flamenco, mm -hmm. no generational, no sexes, although. It's male and female have the same power or chances on stage. Mm -hmm. And uh, from children to adults to, to grandmas, they all enjoy flamenco. It's for all ages, for the whole family, actually. That's such. That's <laughs> really great to hear. Um, and 
for yourself, I did hear that there were going to be um, workshops throughout the festival. It's not just performances. And you touched on the fact that there would be workshops describing the history of flamenco. Could you describe what other kinds of workshops there are for families, for students, for yes. all different kinds Children's of age groups? <laughs> yes, <laughs> we have um, a free introductory class to flamenco at the dance center on Friday the 18th. Mm-hmm. September, Friday the 18th at 7 o'clock at the Dance Center. We have um, per, uh, workshops with masters. That's for people who understand flamenco, have taken flamenco before. We have three levels, basic, intermediate, and advanced at Centro Flamenco. And that is going to be um, September 20th, 21st, and 22nd. And then we have an, another performance, which is... Uh, um, we targeted children. Children under 12 come for free. The parents pay um, a donation. They don't have, there is no ticket, use a donation. Mm-hmm. And this is a performance targeted for children. The, there will be children performing and adults. And then at the end, we have a section of answering questions. And the children are invited to come to the stage and try some steps and work some, with some props. The other one is, of course, the Vancouver Public Library um, Understanding Flamenco, where we, this is for free also, mm-hmm. where we like, we do, we show, and we tell. Okay. And uh, we talk about the history, about the music, about the dance. We have a section of answering questions, which is always very popular. People love to, uh, to know more about flamenco. With these workshops, have you seen the flamenco art scene in Vancouver grow over the past 25 totally, years? Totally, totally. When we arrived, there was some afición. There were some people interested in flamenco. But uh, because besides the festival, we also um, founded a school where you can learn flamenco. And we also started a, a flamenco dance company. With these three, um, we can say, venues, we have made flamenco accessible. Mm-hmm to the audience, to the to Vancouver um, audience or to the people of Vancouver. So they feel not threatened or not, um, um, they feel that it's accessible, it's something that they can do that is not only an like exotic a dance. Yeah, exactly, like a exotic thing. dance from Spain that doesn't belong to us, it belongs to everybody. Mm-hmm. Flamenco is, of course, was born in Spain, but I believe that brings a very deep human message that we all can understand. Yeah, it, tra- it can transcend all races, all cultures. Totally. Right? Mm-hmm. Transcends geography and culture. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. And I guess as a um, reminder for all of our listeners, what are the uh, dates for the Flamenco Festival this year? Well, the, we launched the Flamenco Festival uh, this Saturday with the Basin Quarry Studio Art Exhibition. And um, it continues until the 27th. So we have uh, various venues, the Vancouver Public Library, of course, the central one, um, the that Vancouver the, Playhouse. The one in, in downtown? Correct. The one in downtown, great. The one in downtown, mm-hmm. the main uh, Vancouver Public Library. Then on the 19th, at the, at the Vancouver Playhouse, we have our guests from Spain, um, Andres Peña and Pilar Ogalla. Uh, these, the workshops are the following day. Oh, also, I forgot. There is a, a night on September 20 dedicated only to the guitar and the song. Because so there are some people who love to hear only the song and the guitar. Oh, so that's not accompanied with the dancing. It's just the music. The music. Well, it's, it's musicians. Oh, yes. uh, it's a, mus- uh, a singer from Spain. Mm-hmm. My husband is hosting that night and some other local um, musicians. Mm-hmm. That's also at Centro Flamenco where the workshops will be the dance workshops, and then at the waterfront, we have on the 24th a company from uh, Calgary, Fiona Malena, who is bringing a great artist from Karen Lugo from Spain and um, a company from, a group from Victoria. On the Friday, the 25th, we have the um, Esmeralda Enrique company from Toronto and a local artist, Palma Jarnonson, and on Saturday is my company doing a, a retrospective of these mm-hmm. 25 years with excerpts of different works. And we finish at the waterfront again on the 27th with the matinee for children at 1 o'clock. 
Wow, and I'm sorry, you have your own flamenco company that performs throughout the year? Yes, I do, and we also uh, tour nationally, internationally. Wow, can you tell us a little bit about the upcoming performances that your company is doing? Well, yes, we are visiting uh, some works from the past. The first one, which was uh, Raices, Flamenco Roots, an exploration to Flamenco Roots. And then we moved to um, Cuadro Flamenco, Flamenco Ayerioi, when we explore how flamenco was done in the past and how it's being done now. Um, that is followed by an autobiographical work, uh, Miss Hermanas, Speaking the Water, My Sisters and I, is autobiographical. And there, uh, the expert will be where I found flamenco or I discovered flamenco and I moved to Spain. And then is La Monarca, The Monarch and the Butterfly Effect, which... Um, resembles my lab between, you know, the monarch butterfly from Canada to, mm -hmm. to Mexico every, every autumn. Moves, yeah. Migration and passing of knowledge. And then we end up with the last work, which is an exploration of uh, uh, my husband and I partnership, artistic and personal partnership, and how our uh, domestic and artistic life is overlapping all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, uh, Rosario, for your uh, responses today. Um, I guess before we end off this interview, could you give, um, I guess, a few last remarks about why our listeners should come out to see the uh, flamenco performances as well as maybe even attend some of the flamenco workshops that you talked about? Well, I, what I have noticed is that the, in these times where technology is all over the places and there is a time of rush, 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 there is not too many times for reflection. And I believe that flamenco forces you to look inward, to stop and contemplate and be in touch with your feelings. So I believe that if, the, if our listeners have never experienced flamenco, they should come either to take a lesson or to listen to the music of flamenco or to see a performance of all of them or the, the lecture demo where they want to learn mm -hmm. more about flamenco. I truly believe that it will be a great experience for them and that they will not regret it. People come out of performances happy, a bit and really, really enjoying that performance or that experience. Yes, I, I truly believe that. Mm. You heard it here, folks, guys. Ashley, did you have any last-minute questions? My last-minute question would be that the entire kind of thing that you mentioned with, you know, how you found flamenco and all that, with, is that kind of through the interpretive dance that you're doing through flamenco, or is it, or is it kind of like a, um, like a presentation? Well, through dance, mm -hmm. I walk you through all ah, this. Uh, I see. Yeah, yeah. It's, there is a there is an interpretation on dance mm -hmm. of my first encounter with flamenco and how I wanted to move there, and I moved there. Um, mm -hmm. When I do about the roots of flamenco, I through dance and music, I uh, we explore that possibility because we don't know how mm -hmm. it started, but we know it comes from all these sources. When um, when I talk to about uh, my husband and I relationship, partnership, um, domestic and artistic, we do it through dance and through music. So it is everything is it's an, there is a narrative, mm -hmm. but um, it is through dance and music that we transfer that feelings. Kind of like knowledge emotion. too. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, totally. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yes, personal touch. Is. Thank yes. you, Rosario, for Thank coming so in much. today. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very, very happy, very exciting. And I, too, am very excited for the Flamenco uh, Festival. Um, everyone listening, um, I hope you guys have all um, been convinced already that this chance. Saturday is mm -hmm. the uh, beginning of the festival. And you want yes. to say something? Well, if they want more information or tickets, they can go to flam VancouverFlamencoFestival.org. Perfect. And thank you, Ashley, uh, our arts reporter that is back. Um, yes, I'm starting today again. Feels weird. The new uh, building is kind of a uh, little hard to get used to, but I'm digging it. I'm digging it. it smells nicer. <laughs> well, everyone, please stay tuned. We've got a couple more uh, 
interviews as well as uh, another segment of This Fringy Life. Um, I'm going to put on a couple commercials, but uh, see you guys after the break. You are listening to Arts Report 101.9 at CITR, (laughs) UBC campus. When you join Balloon Club, we guarantee that you will be able to make a balloon poodle within the first day. Here at the UBC Ant Club, we just like to talk about ants and compare ant farms. Uh, It's really cool. Paperclip Club is all about, well, paperclips mostly. At Blah Club, you can blah blah, blah 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 blah. Explosions. There's only one club worth joining at UBC, and that's CITR 101.9 FM. We got free tickets to shows, whirly pops, professional help in all types of audio engineering, passes to festivals, crazy parties, live band swag, all types of crazy people. Our programming manager rides a motorcycle. There's freestyle rapping, Nardwar, the human serviette, the vinyl and record libraries, Discorder magazine, free studio recording, and it sure beats the hell out of Paperclip Club, which is a thing that I just made up because I work at CITR. So come check us out on the top floor of the Student Union Building. we got all types of crazy shit for you to do. Or check us out online at www.citr.ca. Whoever said money can't buy you friends obviously wasn't a member at CITR. When you become a member, you get the Friends of CITR card with incredible discounts in the downtown area at... The Baker and the Chef, Bang On T-Shirts, Beat Street Records, Dunn Levy Snack Bar, The Fall Tattooing, Fortune Sound Club, Hits Boutique, Pacific Cinematheque, Perch, The Portside Pub, Save On Meats, and Vinyl Records. To find out more, visit us in room 233 of the sub on the UBC campus or go online to citr.ca. It's your 75-cent coffee fix in the sub. It's your source for reasonably priced, creatively named stew and vegan brownies. It's your purveyor of bicycle-delivered local produce. It's also a place where volunteers can realize their vision of responsible business and where like-minded students can explore UBC's food systems. Hark! Sprouts is currently accepting applications for next year's executive board and is encouraging ambitious, creative, and disciplined students from all faculties and year levels to apply. Come by Sprouts in the sub-basement to learn more about our projects and how to get involved. I tried to kick the ball, but my tenny flew right up. I'm red as a beat, cause I'm so embarrassed. A show dedicated to playing psychedelic music from parts of the spectrum, rock, pop, electronic, as well as garage and noise rock. Sundays, 5 to 6 p.m. at CITR 101.9 FM. Welcome back to the Arts Report at CITR 101.9. Next up, we've got another segment of This Fringy Life. It's a condensed version, um, but you can definitely hear the full version tomorrow because we are going to have um, a a special arts report broadcast um, on Granville Island at the Fringe Bar tomorrow from 6 to 8 p.m. And we'll be interviewing um, a whole range of performers um, of performers at this year's Fringe Festival. So please do um, listen to our broadcast then. Um, but without further, to, th- further ado, here's another segment of This Fringy Life. Welcome to This Fringy Life on CITR 101.9 FM. This is a special broadcast from the Arts Report. Each episode we bring you stories from the Fringe in advance of Fringe Festival. The Vancouver Fringe Festival runs in September from the 10th to the 20th. For more information about Fringe Fest, check out VancouverFringe.com. And for more information about the Arts Report, visit CITR.ca. Hello and welcome to This Fringy Life. I am your host, Cameron Cutler. If you've ever seen a weatherman point at a map on a green screen or seen the yellow first down line while watching a football game, 
you would have been experiencing augmented reality. Augmented reality is a view of real-world environment that uses computers to allow us to see and interact with objects that aren't really there. Now some artists at the Fringe Fest are taking this technology to new heights. I think this is a really, really exciting new form of creation and art, and it's a really, really interesting um, experience for the viewer. There's, there's some special things you can do with augmented reality that really enhance the experience. That was Jess Amy Shedd, who is the arts coordinator for the Fringe Fest, as well as one of the seven young artists who have created an augmented reality piece as part of the Dare You event at Fringe Fest. Participants have attended weekly workshops run by the Only Animal Theater Company that help them along the way with their idea. Here's Jess telling us about her piece, which is titled Portability. My piece tells the story of a young person who has run away from home, and the only thing they have that they brought with them is their dog, Marshall. They also have a fish, but unfortunately, fish aren't portable, so they couldn't bring their fish with them. They transfer into this magical world where magical creatures help them accomplish their last final task so that they are free from the, their troubled house and their troubled past. What we really started with was the idea of risk, was risks in our lives that we've taken or our ideas about risk. The risk that they're taking is leaving home at a young age without anything besides their favorite companion and trying to start a new life because they know that's what's best for them um, and leaving behind uh, a family that even though isn't that wonderful is still their family. Come experience this new form of art at Anderson Street Garage on Granville Island from September 10th through 13th and September 16th through 19th. The shows are hourly starting from 6 to 9 and the augmented reality viewing devices are provided. And that's it for this Fringy Life, a special broadcast by the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. For more information about Fringe Fest, follow them at VancouverFringe.com. And for more information on the Arts Report, visit CITR.ca or tune in every Wednesday, 5 to 6 p.m. on CITR 101.9 FM. another segment of This Fringy Life. I hope you can all join us for tomorrow's Live at the Fringe bar from 6 to 8 p.m. on Granville Island for another live broadcast um, where we'll be interviewing more Fringe, um, more performers at this year's Fringe Festival. Um, and we've got Ashley back who is going to, inter who is going to introduce um, another possible member to our Arts Report team. Welcome. This is Alex. Hi, Alex. Hello. So, this is your first time sitting in our show. Yep. What do you think about it so far? Um, so far, it's been great. I really enjoyed the hearing about the Flamenco Festival. Um, yeah, that was a great interview. So, this is your first time with CITR, or have you done anything else for CITR before? This is my second time ever in the station. Okay. Well, <laughs> welcome. This is my first time ever in this new station, so it's quite new to me too, so don't worry <laughs> if I'm looking a little wide-eyed at things as well. But what made you kind of decide, hey, you know what, I want to sit in on the art support compared to, let's say, you know, other shows that are not the art support. Sorry, other shows. <laughs> um, well, uh, so I just moved from Calgary, oh. where I was uh, involved with CJSW, mm -hmm. the, uh, the campus radio station at the University of Calgary. And, uh, yeah, I love radio and, um, and broadcasting. Mm -hmm. And uh, I talked to Madeline, um, who's the uh, spoken word coordinator here at CITR. Mm -hmm. and She's she, great. Yeah, she is great. Um, she recommended I, I, uh, I come hang out with you guys. I, I go hang out with the, the News 101 show. She recommended I mm -hmm. go talk to everybody. So, yeah, I'm glad that I'm here today. Well. <laughs> Not to, like, you know, be super, like, you know, elitist or anything, but I think you did the great choice in picking us for today. Well, I picked both. Oh, well, that's okay. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't, that, isn't that the better, better choice, right? To, oh, that's true. We get everything. That's true. You do get everything. Why not both? 
Well, if you are interested and if anyone else is interested, if they do want to participate with the Arts Report, we do this kind of coverage. So mm-hmm. we can talk to people about, you know, upcoming performances in arts and culture in Vancouver. So anything that, you know, isn't limited to just, you know, concerts. We also do plays. We do movies. Sometimes we even do cultural festivals. Like, I had, like, a brief run-in with the Taiwan Fest not too long ago just because I was trying to get all my stuff moved and they held up all the buses. That was me (laughs) when I was like trying to figure out what's going on. Then like, oh, Taiwan Fest was happening. Nothing against Taiwan Fest. I love Taiwan Fest. They have really good food. I love it. But then buses, buses, buses. Oh my God. (laughs) But that was fun. Taiwan Fest was fun. What about you guys? Anything kind of like arts related that, you know, you guys have been doing lately since I've been so out of the loop. Oh my God. Well, last week I did a preview. Um, for an upcoming play called Blackbird that's going to be presented by The Cult and is directed by Tanya Matavanan. I should not be talking about it again just because I talked about it so much last week, but I can't help myself. Is it still running, though? Uh, It's actually going to, I believe, be starting either this upcoming Thursday, so tomorrow, Mm -hmm. or this Saturday. It's coming up pretty soon, and if anybody wants to hear more details on that, they can listen to our podcast um, last week at Arts 101, Arts at CITR 101.9 FM. Yes. right. And the Fringe Festival, it's also going to be starting up soon, so if anyone's interested in checking out what Vancouver has, Fringe is a great place to start. For anybody looking to get into like you know arts and culture, especially theater, they have um, really like avant-garde kind of stuff. So if people are kind of tired with seeing the same old you know plays over and over again, Fringe is really great. They are, um, I think it, it's starting next week, right? Fringe, I think so. I believe it is starting this mm-hmm. week. All right. Um, and another event that's coming up is the Hapapalooza event. Ooh, what's and Hapapalooza? that's the uh, event for specifically for celebrating mixed um, people of mixed ethnic origin. Ah, I see. And they are going to be hosting um, different classes like parenting um, mm-hmm. for mixed people with mixed ethnic origins mm-hmm. or yeah, mixed race mixed race uh, right. families and they'll be hosting i believe a whole bunch of other um varieties of workshops mm-hmm. and um if you guys want any more details on that we can put up a, what, a yeah, website that sounds really interesting actually page. so is it is it just kind of like you know like media surrounding like mixed race such as like you know are they having speakers or mixed race or shows and stuff like that they're actually having some quite a few notable um speakers um i believe lawrence hill Mm -hmm. there's an interview with lawrence hill who is the author of the book of negroes Mm -hmm. there's um there's definitely more interviews with very notable people that um everybody should really check out that's actually really illuminating about race and it's good that you know people have that kind of more exposure. I know for people, I have some friends who are mixed race and they're always kind of like wondering, you know, who exactly mm-hmm. am I? I'm what half I Korean. Do- yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, there you are. <laughs> See, so people are always like wondering like, you know, if I don't look like a certain race or if I pass like another race, but my, you know, racial makeup is quite, you know, different or, you know, from other sources, whatever, what have you, you know, what exactly is my identity? How can people kind of perceive me? How do I perceive myself? That's like a huge issue. Well, this is clearly the event for both Alex, you, and <laughs> Ashley. I am very interested in this. <laughs> so when was that happening again? This is happening, I believe, at the end of September. But I could be wrong. We will be okay. posting up a website <laughs> link onto yeah, our Facebook that page. That means people should check out our Facebook. Yes. Arts Report, 101.9 FM, CITR. Yeah, so well, thank you both for your lovely comments. To end off the show, we um, are going to be playing another Dave Campbell interview. And I'm just going to give a short intro for this interview. Um, Vancouver's Theatre Terrific has been participating in the Fringe Festival for 10 years now. This year's offering is a site-specific examination of our relationship with nature. Mm-hmm. Being Animal looks at how we have forgotten to truthfully, quote-unquote, live in our world and speak its language. That's really here interesting. Here is the interview. Sitting here in the park in the West End, and we've got, uh, we've got James Coomber here. 
and uh, we're talking about the Theatre Terrific's um, fringe production called Being Animal. So hi James, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me here. All right. So first of all, let's talk a little bit about Theatre Terrific itself, because that's a, that's a kind of a unique theatre company. What, uh, what, how did that start and what's, what it's all about? Uh, it's, a, it's a company that's been around for quite a while. Um, I first came to the company about, uh, say, about six years ago as a composer to work on one of their shows. Uh, and they're an all-inclusive company, so they work with performers with various ranges of physical and mental abilities. Um, also with equity actors, and they uh, pair everyone together to see kind of what happens mm -hmm. and give these uh, all range of artists uh, access to theater training and also uh, creation opportunities as well. Now, are these, are these uh, people who also have a wide range uh, of uh, skills and experience and ability in that, or, or are you looking for people that have uh, training? Uh, uh, anything goes. Yeah. So, so in our current show, we have uh, people who have very limited training experience and this might be their first time that they're coming to theater terrific and in a sort of uh, theater context and people who have uh, had previous training through the company as well um, and also people uh, in past shows who you know have done their training are, are professional actors working equity shows and so it's quite a range but definitely uh, can be very little as well yeah yeah it's and it and it's, it's got to be satisfying to see people that you saw getting started and now are, are making a career out of it oh absolutely and that's where uh, theater terrific also has uh, training initiatives and they have classes as well uh, that range from sort of beginner work to uh, more advanced work and um, people have uh, had the opportunity to perform in shows over year, uh, several years and they sort of develop a, uh, a training on their own which is great to see uh, the transformation for sure. Now the production this year for the Fringe Festival is called Being Animal and uh, uh, that is a site specific show, it's an outdoor show so t tell me a little bit about what what the concept is, what is Being Animal about and then uh, how, how it's integrated into the site uh, so being animal sort of questions um, how to get back in touch with nature and, and uh, sort of investigating the element that we've lost with uh, 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 being among nature. And uh, it's one of uh, uh, site-specific shows uh, that Theatre Terrific has done a few times before. Uh, and so we're kind of diving into uh, what this group of uh, this cast uh, feels uh, matters about being among, amongst nature and so it was developed um, through some research on um, my part and Susanna Hatsus, the co-director her part um, with uh, uh, works by David Abram uh, he has a few um, books that we read that we were inspired by but uh, a large part was through uh, uh, exploring uh, creative work through the cast, questioning the cast on what kind of um, what matters to them about nature, what uh, experiences in nature they have, and you know what they feel are the issues around uh, being in nature, uh, what we've lost today, um, being so far away from it, or being close to it. And what, what, are, what are some of the issues that came out of those discussions? Uh, a lot of sort of uh, technological place in, in the world. Um, I'd say also some trying to uh, have very meaningful experience, mm -hmm. personal, intimate experience in nature, and you know whether that's accessible or not. Or and, and just on cue, a, a bit of nature walk by as people are walking their dog. <laughs> <laughs> totally, and uh, well, and, and how yeah, how it exists in our everyday yeah. lives. Okay, so let's let's talk about 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 the show itself. Is it is it is it a, a, a play with a narrative story? Uh, there's there is a narrative shape to it. Mm -hmm. So it's um, it's it's a largely based movement piece yeah. uh, so we have um, mass characters primarily throughout the show um, very very little text uh, and a lot of music um, but it does follow a specific character who is a wanderer who sort of feels that she uh, is separate from the sort of uh, current world the sort of uh, technologically obsessed mad world that sort of doesn't see uh, itself living with nature more just against and then about her path uh, kind of into this other world of characters who kind of uh, give her some insight into how to interact with nature on, on many levels. Yeah. And where will we see it? Uh, so it's uh, down on Granville Island right behind, uh, behind Performance Works and we've got a nice little patch area with uh, 
Uh, we've sort of picked this spot that has uh, 11 trees and we have 11 performers and so it's our nice little place and there's a big iron dike gate there as well to, to mark it. Good. I think that's all I wanted to ask. Is there anything else you wanted to uh, also add or comment? Uh, just come on out. It's going to be a great experience. There's going to be some live music as well and um, and uh, great, uh, great puppet by Tim Gosley, who's worked with uh, Theatre Terrific in the past uh-huh. before and uh, does amazing work. Um. Well, that's it for our show today. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Christine Kim, your host. This is Ashley Park. Oh, sorry. I am Alexander Kim. <laughs> Please um, stay tuned for uh, another edition of the Arts Report next Wednesday, but right after this show, we've got Sharing Science, and uh, for today's theme of Sharing Science, it's called Intelligent Animals, and they've got a various various, uh, host of (laughs) speakers today on their show, and they're going to be talking about the components of what the components of intelligence are, the shortcomings of IQ tests, and the supposed intelligence of various animals like dolphins, elephants, ants, and parrots. So uh, see you all next week, and here's Sharing Science. Have a good one. Good evening. You're listening to UBC Sharing Science Radio, broadcasting from CITR 101.9 FM on unceded Musqueam territory at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, Canada. Sharing Science Radio is here to bring you a weekly dose of science news, discussion, interviews, and local events.